helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. In today's show, Michael will be using the biblical text from 1 Samuel 16 to launch his topic, Overcoming the Not Good Enough Syndrome, part one of a two-part series. You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization or make a donation to our ministry by going to ilimcounselingministry.com. Ilim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or by calling 1-877-544-3546. Let's go right into today's show. The feeling of not being good enough is unfortunately a feeling that haunts many people. It is a feeling that often creates a sense of futility. That nothing that you do really matters and that your input and opinions are not valuable. Some who thought that earning a PhD or achieving some high status would eradicate this feeling find out that even when highly qualified and accomplished, they still feel not good enough. What is even more disheartening is that many people with the not good enough syndrome create self-fulfilling prophecies by sabotaging themselves and acting in ways that make them less effective. For example, consider the person who feels that their PowerPoint presentation is not good enough. And then they go on to present it in an uninspiring way that makes it less meaningful and less effective. Or consider the business leader whose feelings of not being good enough makes him insecure. Because of his insecurities, he he only hires people who are less knowledgeable than he is and so creates an organization that is not good enough. Or consider the student who feels not good enough to make friends and so isolate herself from everyone and avoids social occasions and ends up alone and isolated, confirming her feelings of not good enough. But where does this feeling of not being good enough come from? Are we born that way or are we shaped that way by our circumstances? Or is it a combination of both? In this podcast, we will begin by revealing five symptoms of the not good enough syndrome. Secondly, we will look at the root of the not good enough syndrome. And finally, we will look at what can be done to overcome it and stop the self-sabotage that effectively keeps those with the syndrome trapped in the vicious cycle of negative self-fulfilling prophecy. This is a lot to get through in one podcast, so we will be spreading some of this content uh, over the next episode. So we'll be concluding this this podcast in a two-part series. So let's go to the the first uh, of the sim- of this of the topic, the symptoms of not being good enough. 
you may have the not good enough syndrome if you find that you have a very high need to control your environment. You only feel safe if things are done a certain way. You cannot deal with things that are not within your control. And so some business leaders, they go out of their way to micromanage everything. This could be a sign that they're dealing with this inner sense of not being good enough and working extra hard to try to make sure that they negate that feeling. But it's futile because no amount of controlling your environment will make you feel good enough. Or maybe... uh, uh, Or maybe you're a person who likes to people please. That's one of the syndrome. People who feel not good enough go out of their way to try to please everyone. Because any any criticism from others, any sense that someone is displeased with the person who has the not good enough syndrome makes their world fall apart. And so they work hard at pleasing everyone. Another symptom of the not good enough syndrome is the the tendency to be a perfectionist. Yes, perfectionism is a way of trying to control that feeling. So to be imperfect, to to be 90% right is not good enough because you're trying to be perfect so as to negate that feeling, so as to offset that feeling that you have inside that you are not good enough. So people with the perfectionist uh, tendency will spend an excessive amount of times working on a document that's already 99% accurate, and they will lose sleep over that 1% that they feel is out of place. Whereas others of us who do not have that syndrome will be satisfied with the document at 95% and say, this is good enough. People with the syndrome of not good enough also have very self-limiting behavior. So, for example, a person who has the not good enough syndrome may be offered a promotion at work, but they can't see themselves as being good enough to be in that position, and so they will not apply for it. They'll play it safe by staying in the same position for 30 or 40 years because they feel not good enough. Or another, and I should say, another symptom of the not good enough syndrome is that people with the not good enough syndrome has this overly active inner critic. So these are these are just five symptoms of the not good enough syndrome. The need to control, the need to people please, the perfectionist tendency, the self-limiting behavior, and the overactive inner critic. So let's move on to our second point and talk about the roots of not good enough. Where does this feeling of not good enough come from? 
Many people are made to feel inferior to their siblings by how they were treated by their parents. So the, the first point, the first root is that you are made to feel inferior to your siblings or peers. This was the case of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In the biblical narrative, we see King David being excluded by his father, Jesse, from meeting the prophet Samuel, who was asked, who had asked to meet all of Jesse's son. Jesse must have thought to himself that this is a, an important meeting. The prophet, the mighty man of God, Samuel, is coming to my home. So I must include the most important of my sons. So Jesse sent for all of his sons, seven of his sons, except for David, the youngest. David was not considered good enough for such an important meeting by his father. As the sons appear before Samuel, the first son that appeared and that Samuel noticed was Eliab. Samuel was immediately impressed by the height and stature of Eliab. Eliab must have been this very tall man with very big muscles. And as, as Samuel saw the sons of Jesse coming before him, his attention was placed on Eliab's outward appearance. So David was not tall enough to be displayed as a proud specimen of the alpha male type by his father. So David was not invited, but Eliab, of course, Eliab is this tall man, tall in appearance and very muscular. Eliab must have had not a six-pack, but an eight-pack and being very, very big and muscular. And so Samuel taught to himself that this must be must be the man that God wanted him to anoint as king. So David, being the youngest, was not considered old enough by his father. So we had Eliab and all the other sons, but David was not there. Seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel the prophet felt in his spirit that none of these seven sons was who God wanted him to anoint as king. And so he, he, he was puzzled. Like I can imagine Samuel being there thinking, God has sent me here to anoint one of his sons as, as, as the next king of Israel. But these sons have passed before me and God is showing me that despite their appearance, their mighty appearance, and despite all the, the, the appealing physical features that None of them fit. So Samuel was puzzled and he thought to himself, could it be that Jesse had another son? And so he asked Samuel, is there another son that you have somewhere that you might have forgotten to include in this very impressive lineup? And Jesse answered in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. And notice, notice the words of Jesse's answer, because I think his words are pregnant with meaning. 
as to what he's trying to tell the prophet. So Jesse answered, and I, and I quote, There is still the youngest, but he is tending the sheep, unquote. There is a youngest, there is the youngest one, but there is a but. And the but is that he's only the person that looks after the sheep around here. He's not this mighty man of valor that suits this position of being good enough for, for, for an important meeting like this. He's not good enough to meet the prophet Samuel. And so Jesse had that word, but... The but seems to imply that David is not good enough for this important family meeting because he he is only the son who tends to the sheep. Do you feel that way in your family? As if people look at you because of your status or because of 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 your accomplishments as not being good enough. Perhaps you were not seen as good enough compared to your siblings because they were straight A students, whereas you were more interested in sports or the arts. Or maybe you were an only child, but your parents continuously compared you to the to the boy next door or the girl next door as someone that someone else's child and they would always say to you why can't you be like so and so why can't you be like mary look at mary she is so well behaved look at mary she makes her parents so proud and so with when children are treated in this way by their parents they end up feeling not good enough. The second reason people end up with this deep feeling in the core of their being that they are not good enough is when they have perfectionist parents. When you have perfectionist parents, nothing that you do ever meets their standard. The house is never clean enough. The marks that you get is never good enough. The goals that you score in a game wasn't many enough. I remember one of my clients was telling me that he scored an hat trick a hat trick in in a soccer game he scored three goals and he, he thought his father would be very proud of him and so he was so excited to go to his father after the game and his father the first thing his father pointed out to him was the goal he missed you could have had four instead of three michael will be right back you have been listening to the Life Transformation Show, where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Overcoming the Not Good Enough Syndrome. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. So just in case you think that maybe this is far-fetched to, to think that the way our 
parents treat us could have these long-term effects that even in adulthood you're still struggling with feelings of not good enough. I want to refer to an article that was published in the Journal of Neurology and Neuroscience in 2011. The article was entitled, Long-Term Consequences on Normal Young Adults' Core Beliefs and Brain Functioning Due to Received Parenting. So this article is looking at the parenting that these uh, people in the experiments received and looking at how the parenting affected how they thought about themselves later in young adulthood. And they came to the following conclusion, and I'll I'll read from the article, just a, a short paragraph of the conclusion. So, quote, We concluded that parental behavior that fails meeting important emotional needs of children can be viewed as the origin of certain self-defeating core beliefs and have an influence on brain functioning. Because the effects were found in young adults, we may say that the early childhood experiences with primary caregivers have long-term mental and neurological effects. Unquote. So here we have this journal that is telling us that the, the parenting that we get, that the, the parenting affects how we perceive ourselves, it affects our core belief and the and and this feeling of not being good enough is a core belief that is deep in 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 the subconscious of many of us that we act it out in adult life or throughout our lives unless we get help. So later on in the show we're gonna be talking about uh, what to do if you have that. But right now we're just laying the foundation by looking at at the at the root causes. So another of the root cause is neglectful parents. Your best efforts to win their attention went unnoticed. So with neglectful parents, children work hard to get the the love that they want and to get the attention of their parents. But with neglectful parents, children are learning that their best efforts are not good enough because despite what they do, despite everything that they do, their parents fail to give them the attention. Or maybe it was that their their best accomplishments were ignored. I remember uh, clients who would tell me about winning big scholarships or achieving great things of sports in sports only to be met with indifference by their parents and how crushing that was and another form of neglect is when your most urgent needs went unmet what you're learning if your urgent needs in life such as need for care such as shelter or or food or clothing if those basic needs are not met by your parents then you are beginning then you are learning that you are not good enough to get your needs met by others so neglectful parent is one of the the reasons why people develop this feeling of not good enough. 
And so now we come to the, the third part of this show, how to overcome the feeling of not good enough. So I think the first thing to do in overcoming this feeling of not good enough is to understand the root cause. What was the root cause in your situation? So if you have missed the first part of the show, we will look at the different root causes. I would suggest that you go back and identify what is the root cause of your particular situation, what it is that is causing you to feel not good enough. What is at the, the, the root of your feeling of not good enough? I am a very strong believer in what the Bible says, that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. I have treated clients who have come in with this root cause of not good enough, and once they understand that what the root is, they begin to get the power to work, to overcome overcome it, because it's as if the mind needs to understand before they can be motivated to work hard to overcome the feeling of not being good enough. So the first is to, to understand the root cause. The second step is to realize that your inner critic is really echoing the voice and attitude of your parents. So that inner voice that tells you that your presentation is is going to be awful and that no one is going to like it, that's the inner voice, that, that's the voice of your parent, that caregiver, that person who sowed that seed that you weren't good enough in your mind, that's what your inner voice is echoing. And so if you can realize that this is not your voice, it's not just your 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 thoughts, it's not just your your thoughts that is causing you to feel the way that you are feeling. It is this broken part of you that is echoing the pain that that your parents or others who have hurt you have caused in your life. And then the third thing is to work to heal past hurt. So working to heal past hurt, if you understand the root cause, if you realize that your inner critic is really the voice of, of the, your caregivers or your parents that, that sowed that seed in your mind that you are not good enough, then you need to f- he- work to heal the wound of that past hurt. And this involves being able to identify times when you needed attention, but that but you didn't get it. This may also involve identifying times when you were belittled, times when you were told that you were stupid or you weren't good enough or that compared to the neighbor's child next door, you were a failure, or when you needed to be praised, but you weren't praised. Usually, most of us who have suffered uh, from that, who have suffered hurt from our childhood can identify those key moments. And once you have identified those key moments, this next step is to work to heal those past hurts. So healing those past hurt might need, might mean that you give 
to yourself what you didn't get. This might seem like a weird thing to do, but a simple exercise that we do in counseling is that just imagining that you were able to go back in that situation to your younger self who had scored those three goals but was criticized by your father. What would you say now as the wiser older adult to that younger self? How would you encourage that that younger self now that you're older and wiser? So going back into a situation like that, you might say to your younger self, imagining that your younger self is sitting in front of you, you might say, I am so proud of you. That is well done. I am so pleased to be your parent. And so those words, even though it might seem like something that is fake, the amygdala, that part of your brain that stores emotional hurt, is receiving this as if it's actually happening in real time. So those kind of exercises we call empty chair exercises are very powerful. It might also mean writing a letter to your younger self, explaining to your younger self that your younger self should not believe the lies that they have come to believe about themselves, the lies that you're not good enough, the lies that you will never amount to anything, the lies that you were stupid, the lies that there is something wrong with your personality because you are different, the lies that you're inferior to your siblings because you chose a different part. And so it's important to do exercises like these because exercises like these help to heal that hurting part of the self that maintains the the feeling of not being good enough. So another thing to do to get over this syndrome of not being good enough is to challenge the negative assumptions your inner critic is causing you to believe. So for example, your inner critic might be telling you that unless that report that you're doing is 100% accurate, you might be fired or your boss is not going to be pleased with you. But the truth is that the, the report as it is might might be satisfactory to your boss. Maybe you have given a report before that you thought was going to be a disaster only to be commended by your boss for what you have done. So challenge these negative assumptions. Look for facts that disprove the negative thoughts that's flowing into your mind. So one exercise that we do in our sessions using what we call a thought record sheet is to look at the negative assumptions and then look at the facts that disprove the negative assumptions. And there are, there, there are often so many things that people can think of that shows that, that show that what they're thinking is wrong. And then one other thing that you can do is to change actions that cause the cycle of self-doubt to continue. The inner critic is also the voice of your hurting inner child who doesn't know yet 
how to refute the lies she has come to believe about herself. So when you think that your action is not good enough and you don't try, you maintain, you keep yourself fixed in that cycle of belief. But if you act outside of that, you said, you know, I'm going to apply for that position, even though my inner thought, my inner critic is saying, I can't do it, then you begin to position yourself for success. And let me say, this takes a lot of courage, and it might also take professional help, but I have seen, I've helped so many people, so I know that it can be done. In next week's show, we are going to be looking at powerful techniques to reprogram your mind so that you don't listen to the voice of your inner critic who is telling you that you are not good enough. If you have missed the first part of this show, you can listen to it by going to our website, elimcounselingministry.com, where we also have over 200 podcasts that you can listen to. We also want to remind you that we are a non-profit organization that counts on your support to stay on the air. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.